This morning we have a special guest speaker. His butterflies, though, are about to be moved into formation and they're going to fly in formation. Anyway, he is a stranger to none of us, other than those of you who may not have been here before. But at this time, I'd like to welcome Terrell. Terrell's going to come and speak. All right. Can you hear me? You can. All right, beauty. So, good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. I was saying to Laura, I was saying, I hope no one shows up. Um, <laughs> so, thanks a lot. Um, anyways, let's just see if this bad boy works. Hey, here we go. So, I am here this morning because Mike asked me slash told me to be here. Um, so, we're going to uh, just go through um, a little bit of um, things this morning and just see... Um, uh, what kind of things we can uh, discover together. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm learning how to use this thing. So what's our direction for today? So your first question probably is, where is Mike? Um, if you're wondering where is Mike and why is Terrell up here? Well, that makes two of us. Um, uh, because Mike is, I think, on a plane somewhere warm right now. <clears throat> and so um, a few weeks ago, probably um, early December or sometime, um, Mike sent me a text and he said, hey, do you want to, um, January 13th, that's the date today, I think, um, January 13th, do you want to uh, say a couple things about your journey and where you're at uh, with the grace message and, and on the grace journey and everything like that? So immediately I just sort of thought, sure, yeah, why not? Um, thinking in my head, okay, he's probably thinking, let's get three or four people, each person can share their story for about five minutes or so, and it'll be just a nice, lovely sharing time together. And then as he kept texting on, he said, you know, so keep it to about 30 minutes max. And so I sort of stopped and said, wait a second, <laughs> like, that's a different conversation. Um, <clears throat> I said, do you mean a sermon? And he said, call it what you will. I don't care what you call it, just, uh, but yeah, sure. And so uh, I said, like, no, like, that's not happening. Um, <clears throat> and so I said, I got to think about this, like, this is just, this is out of my wheelhouse. Um, so anyways, a few days later, he, you know, Mike can be persistent. So he, he texts me back, so what do you think? What do you think? Are you going to do it? And I just said, you know, I really don't have a clue what I would even talk about. Um, I've got nothing to say. I don't, my story's not super interesting. Um, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. He just said, you've been here for a while. Just talk about you. Talk from your heart. Talk about your journey. Um, so I said, sure, why not? So um, decided, let's just give it a go and, and sort of see what happens. Um, I'm very comfortable over here. I'm comfortable um, sort of on that side of the stage here is, is completely terrifying. I was thinking that, you know, like Linus from Charlie Brown, he's always got that little safety blanket from him. I was thinking I would just bring my guitar this morning and then just stand with it the whole time. And if I was just holding it, I would think, you can't see me because I've got, I've got my guitar here and it doesn't even matter. And it's just like I'm saying some silly little comment between a song or whatever. But uh, I don't know, maybe call this a personal challenge, but... Uh, I figured, why not? Let's give it a let's give it a go and see what we can see what we can do this morning. So, <clears throat> I'm not a Bible scholar. I didn't go to Bible college. I'm a social worker, so you know, I'm I apparently love everybody and all this sort of stuff. And <clears throat> and so I I'm not going into this very deep um, study on 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 a scripture or on a topic necessarily. We're not going to go to that hugely academic level of things today. 
I'm here just speaking out of the spirit of grace that, that Mike has been teaching us um, ever since I've been here. Um, I'm speaking as a Christian who believes in God's identity in us. Um, I believe in the, the passage of Galatians 2.20 where I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And I believe that um, God has called us to an agape-like um, love with each other. So there's my credentials. I got nothing. Um, so, but we'll see kind of where, where we go about um, today. So it's interesting. I've, I've, the last time I preached, I don't want to call it preach. That, that, that sets the bar up here. Let's call this a talk or whatever. So it sets the bar nice and, nice and low. Last time I did something like this was 18 years ago um, in the back country of Zambia. Um, I was uh, fresh out of high school, getting ready to go to university, and I went on a three-month mission trip. And so part of our trip was, was doing some teaching and preaching to the little villages out in the middle of literally nowhere, where you would go in by a 4 by 4 pickup truck um, down the sketchiest of roads to get to these nothing of a village um, in the middle of nowhere. That was the last time I, I did something like this. So the idea of PowerPoint and, and having notes and all this weird, fancy stuff... It's a learning curve, for real. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, such a, it's such an art. You know, you see people like Mike, if you follow other uh, pastors, um, like let's say Bruxy Cave, or someone like, they just make it look like such an art. They make it look so easy. I mean, Nancy's done this before. She makes it look so easy. Um, and it's, it's a real art to bring what you want to think you want to talk about. Try to have your stuff so then you guys aren't falling asleep. There is some visual material here. And it's like a, the pastors create this this masterpiece of art every week, um, and just week after week. So, I mean, I, I have an incredible new appreciation for the, the work that goes into crafting a sermon and creating that sort of piece of art every week. So my goal that today is that I'm not going to create a piece of art. Well, I hope to create somewhat of a piece of art. And if I can achieve something like this today, then we're laughing. We're, like, we're, we're off to the races. So... This is your, this is your um, reminder that I'm a rookie, and so if I go off the rails, remember, he's never done this before. So this is the level of expectation that we have for this morning. So let's just keep that right there. The girls are like, what are we trying this for? And I said, I don't just keep your mouth shut and everything. <laughs> and, and Leah kept reminding me, well, she, she, didn't, she wanted to tell everybody that we saw this morning, Daddy's super nervous. And I'm just like, stop, stop talking right now. Um, so anyways, for our direction for today, um, I want to talk about being authentic, being curious, and then this other idea called authentic, uh, authentically curious. I don't know if this is a thing. I think I made it up, but it, I sort of Googled it, and some people have also kind of coined the phrase. So um, anyways, it's just some of the thoughts that I've been having um, over the last few years, um, kind of in my own, my own work life, my own personal life, and in relation to my, my faith journey. So Mike said, share your journey. So I have to do what he says, so I'll, I'll give a little bit of, um, of background on kind of my journey. Um, and this is where I didn't know really what to talk about today because, I mean, I said to Mike, I, I said, you know, I, I come from a very privileged um, background. I have, I've had a very privileged um, upbringing. I've been very blessed. Um, I said, I don't have any really juicy stories to, to share that I've learned from or grown from or that have completely retransformed my life. Um, and he said, that's perfect then, because those are good stories. This is also a good story. And so I said, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll see what I can do. Um, so in, when you look at someone like me, um, I kind of represent sort of the pinnacle of what privilege is. Um, I'm white, I'm straight, I'm able-bodied, I'm educated, I'm middle class, and I'm Christian. So in terms of 
privilege, um, being, um, having access to um, opportunities from sort of like an easy angle of things, I embody sort of the pinnacle of, of privilege in, in that sort of a respect. That, not, that is not necessarily, in, no, that is not in any way saying that I'm better or lower or higher in anything. It's just that someone who, like me, represents the, that kind of, kind of area of privilege. So when I, I had a great family growing up, I had two um, incredible parents. Um, I have a good brother who's, who's fairly okay sometimes. Um, I'm the younger brother, so I always have to say that I'm better than him. Um, I, had a, you know, I had a great life upbringing. We, there's no real traumatic events, no, no real big skeletons or anything that we had kind of growing up. I had a fantastic church. I had a good, good, um, good school life. Um, I went to a Christian high school when I was growing up, so, so really I've lived a pretty, you know, kind of a squeaky clean kind of a life and stuff. So again, kind of going back to Mike, like what, what does someone like that have to share. Um, and so because of that, that upbringing, when I came to, to this church um, back in 2004 and started to hear Mike talk about the grace message, um, it was really igniting things in me that I always kind of throughout my life always kind of found to be true. It's just that Mike was putting words to something that, that kind of already seemed real to me. Um, I mean, I did come from a little bit more of a conservative background of things. And so... Um, but I had so many good people in our community that spoke grace into my life and showed me what grace was like. I remember a conversation with my dad one time. We were driving in the car, and I was asking him about a certain, a certain thing and just asking him, you know, what happens if I ever do this? What, what, what would you do? Um, and I remember very vividly him saying, you know, you know it, would probably be, it would probably be hard for your mom and I but at the end of the day, you're still our kid, and no matter what, we would love you. And so it was just those little messages all along that was grace. So he wasn't speaking it necessarily from the grace lens that we um, benefit from each week, but it was people like that speaking it to me um, throughout my whole life. So when I came to um, understand this message, it wasn't necessarily a, my world was turned upside down. Um, it wasn't, um, didn't feel ext extremely revolutionary to me. Now, that's not, again, me saying that I'm, I'm further along on this journey, that I have more understanding in any respect. It's just that it was a different experience for me than it might be for a lot of us. Um, a lot of us might come from backgrounds where we understood this picture of God to be this kind of a jerk up in the sky who wants to smite us anytime we do anything wrong, and that's the picture that has been painted for us, and we have a lot of work to unlearn that. For me, I had elements of that, but, but again, like I'm just saying, it wasn't sort of that um, turn, turn everything on its head kind of a thing. My life so far had given me um, so many clues, uh, I guess, about who God is and things. And so what it, when I look back and I think of the people in my life, um, some of the ways that I've been able to um, be so warm and so um, open to kind of this, this grace message is because I've had people who have been authentic in, in their relationship with me and in their character and who they are. And I've been able to watch people be curious. And when I see those two, two qualities, that is really just an, another, another nice name for living out agape. And Mike talks to us a lot about what agape is. And agape is an other-centered love, where the focus of that love is on other people and serving the needs of other people. And so that's kind of where I came to today, is wanting to speak a little bit about being authentic and being curious and um, seeing where we go with all of that. 
So I pulled some definitions. So the, these are just some things uh, put into one, one definition. So being authentic is being true to one's own personality, character, or spirit. It is not false or an imitation. It is a true or accurate representation of something or a reflection. So I'm not here necessarily today to talk about being authentic Christians because I think Mike covers that phenomenally. Um, he he kind of builds that into his regular um, conversation, his regular talks with us, his regular message of be who you were created to be, understanding and recognizing your identity in Christ and living true to that identity. Mike covers that. I don't need to talk about that. So let's, um, that's not necessarily my, my focus for today. Um, my purpose for today is wanting to talk a bit more about um, authentic relationships, so between one another, and, but then also um, um, between others in our community, and then just our authentic character. Uh, one point here is that when we are authentic, we create the opportunity to move from surface-level relationships to deeper, real, meaningful connections with others. And a lot of times, being authentic is sometimes it's like we're putting on a bit of a mask. We're trying, to, we're trying to just show that we are different than we might actually be. And, um, and, and, and a lot of times, we're trying to be kind of Instagram perfect for people. We want to have that picture-perfect life where, where we just look great and everything looks, looks lovey-dovey and there's nothing wrong with us. And it's funny because I've said a few times over the last year or two that sometimes I have a hard time posting pictures um, like this on social media because it paints the picture that I might somehow be a good dad or that I have this lovely family. And those sometimes are not the case whatsoever. Um, you know, if I'm posting a picture of me and my son canoeing, it looks beautiful. And I get comments of, oh, this is so beautiful. Oh, it's so lovely. But it didn't show the three seconds prior to that picture where I'm saying, Seth, put the paddle down! Or just completely... <laughs> losing my mind on my son or my kids because they're fighting in the canoe and we're all rocking all over like this or someone's about to send a fishing pole and the hook's flying all over the place and someone's going to get it in the ear. It doesn't show that side. It shows just this picture-perfect moment where we just look like such a loving family. And, and sometimes when I... It feels fake sometimes to say, I, I don't want to be misrepresented that, that this is... We are this Instagram-perfect family because we're not. We call, come with our... With our flaws. So sometimes it's just this weird tension um, engaging in that sort of a way. But being authentic is, is when we get to show those non Instagram moments with people. We get to experience those moments with each other and that we are accepted in love because of those as well. And so that's sort of the tension that, that I find um, in some of those moments. So being authentic in our character. I had a roommate in uh, university. And it's funny because, again, we couldn't have been more opposite. I'm small, and he was just this massively massive guy. And, and so we just you know, became really good friends in, in, our, in our relationship. His name's Eric. And um, I, I remember really vividly one time him talking about people not being authentic. And he would say, he said, I hate it when, when we are different people in different crowds. He said, I wish we were all just the same jerks all the time to everybody. And so I said, you know, that's, well, he said a bit more flowery than that. But... Um, but it, it's, it's stuck with me for so many years. You know, it, we can be different people with our work friends, with our church community, with our family, and then with our baseball team or whatever. If we're different people in every single different uh, um, setting, then we're not really truly being authentic in our character. And that was something that he was trying to, trying to talk about, was that he really appreciates and really values people 
when he knows that they are the same person no matter which, which uh, setting they're in. And sometimes that, that can be a challenging thing because sometimes if we're in a setting with the group and, 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 and our, all of a sudden it comes out that we might you know, have a faith in, in, in Jesus and God, that can be a challenge. And sometimes we might want to suppress that. But being authentic in our, in our character means that we can kind of allow that to still be a part of, of who we are because it's not something that we, that we want to completely ignore. One thing I really appreciate about Lori, um, ever since I've been involved in worship here, is that um, from the beginning, Lori's always said she wants our worship here to be authentic and real. Uh, she, she's always pushed us to not necessarily strive for CD quality sound, to not necessarily strive for the big productions where you could video it and you could post it and, and put it on a DVD or something like that. DVDs, who does DVDs? But um, live stream it or whatever. And, and she, she wants the, the experience of worship to not be this, we're doing it down up here and you are doing it down there, and there are these two separate groups it's that it is creating relationship in this experience. And that is one thing that I've always appreciated of Lori is let's just be real. And so let's share from where we're, we're, we're at, um, be able to link some of the music to, to some of the songs that we're, uh, that we're um, and to our lives that we're experiencing and things like that. Mike talks a lot about, about not doing fake. He said, we don't want to do fake here. And I really like that challenge. If, if, if you've heard him say that um, or haven't heard him say that, I think it's a really important challenge is that we want to just be a real community of people who is getting into relationships with each other. And, and I've always appreciated that. Um, one other piece, and, and this is um, a story um, from when I was a kid, was that, again, sometimes in church we, we, we feel like we need to put on a bit of a show or run some specific rules that, of, of how things are supposed to go and stuff like that. And so there's an example of someone being authentic in, in, in that time of worship from when I was a kid that stuck with me for, for um, well, ever since. Um, so I come, again, I come from a bit more of a conservative background, and that's not a knock, that's not a, a, a diss against my, my upbringing or, or, or that group, it's just that that's, that's the lens and that's the, the sort of the, where that operated from. So I knew from a, as a little kid, and I probably couldn't put words to it, but I knew that song leading goes this way. This is how you do song leading. These are the rights and the wrong, the, the rights of doing song leading. And if you deviate a little bit from that, there might be some rumblings. This is how you pray. And, and if you deviate from that, there might be some rumblings. This is how you teach. This is how you run communion. And so I began to understand that there is a way of doing things, but also a way of not doing things. And so again, not here to, to say whether... Um, you know, in any sort of a, a negative way against, against that. But that was just what I picked up. That was sort of the message that I was hearing was there's a way that you're supposed to do things and then a way that you're not supposed to do things. So I remembered that there's a way to pray. And typically, praying was you stand up and everybody closes their eyes. It's very quiet. And you say some very lovely things, some very poetic things, use some lovely language. And that's fantastic. That, that, uh, that's that's a beautiful way to speak to God and to communicate in this sort of a setting. Um, and and is tr- truthfully, prayer time when I was a kid was the boringest time because there were some people who would drone on for what felt like hours. And so sometimes I'd be like, oh my goodness, when's Sunday school? I just want to get out of here because in our church, we grew up where all the kids were in the service for the entire time. Sunday school time and, and Bible study was afterwards. So when some people would pray, again, for adults, they were probably lovely prayers, very from the heart. Um, they were beautiful prayers. But as a kid, 
I just was like, you, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is, like, I'm, I'm starving here. Um, but then one week, so I knew there's a right and a wrong way to pray. That was typically the model of how you pray. You use some good language, and it just sounds lovely. One week, this guy comes up, and his name is Jim, and I hadn't really seen him pray before. He kind of just walks up to the, we had a beautiful, lovely pulpit, which is why I put this up, in case you're wondering what's going on. I'm not trying to highlight my picture. Um, <clears throat> but he comes up to this beautiful pulpit, and he just walks up, he just kind of like puts his arms on it, puts his head down, and he's like, hey, Dad. And he had a conversation. And it was the most incredible prayer. I don't think we're supposed to rate prayers, but it was probably the most profound prayer that I can ever remember because it was just a guy not necessarily caring to follow all the specific rules, written or not, about how to do something. He was a completely authentic person in that moment having a conversation with his dad. And, and it was beautiful and it was lovely. And, and then again, to this day, it was, as a kid, I was just like, what is happening? Like, he's not following the script. <laughs> like this, what's going to happen? There's going to be some rumblings for sure on this one. But it was just, it was fantastic. And, and I think that it impacted me in such a way because, I mean, what was that? Probably like 25 years later, I still remember to this day just being captivated by this man just having a conversation. So he was being authentic and he was just sharing, his, sharing um, a conversation with his dad communally with everybody. And so again, when I think of someone who's authentic, that, that's, a, that's an example uh, that comes to mind. So when I, again, uh, you know, when we try to post on using another social media channel, sometimes we're trying to represent ourselves in a way, and we might not be, that might not be our goal at all, and that, that's fine. I'm not saying we're all doing all the exact same thing, but uh, it can be a challenge to want to portray ourselves in this lovely way um, and hide the fact that that maybe three seconds before that picture, everybody was going completely mental, um, or that, that we had such a bad morning, and, um, and like the three seconds of picture of that day was probably literally the only three seconds of happiness in that entire day. So, and, so again, it brings us to that tension of, of um, how are we portraying ourselves and, and, and showing ourselves to everybody. One of the, so regarding our authentic character, um, in the Bible, it, it, it says that we're called to be different. So I like this passage from Ephesians. It says, you are all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. So it does speak about that, yes, we all need to have some similarities in our, in our, in our collection as, a, as, a, as families, as a collection as community, a collection as a church family, and that we all do have a similar path and we can um, have similarities in a lot of those ways. But we are all called to show our difference, to show how we are unique. Um, and it, I love this line, out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. So it's out, it shows that it's out of the generosity and beauty of the design that God has put each of us to be different people. So a lot of us might have strengths of having a beautiful, lovely home. If that's your strength, well, all the power to you. If your strength is having a disgusting disaster of a home, then lovely too. I mean, we're all called to, to be in different places and to have different strengths, and that is the beauty of the design of God who's created us to be. And so, so that's, yeah, in, in terms of our authentic character, it's, it's neat to be able to 
to see that um, written in, in there. Authentic relationally is the other piece um, that I do want to talk about as well. Now, Laura says I compare myself a lot to others, and so a lot of times she's just like, I, I often say, oh, well, so-and-so at this point in their life, uh, at this certain age, they're doing this. What am I doing? And a lot of times she just, you know, gives me a good, not literal, but sort of slap across the face and just says, stop it. Stop comparing us or yourself to others. Um, just let yourself be your own person and, and, and let that be who you are and, and you don't need to um, measure up to people. Um, so the, the interesting thing when we move from character to um, um, being relationally is... Um, is something that we, we read about in Galatians, where it says, Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach, and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens, and so complete Christ's law. If you, are, if you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself to others. Hey, there it is. Um, each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. So I like, I like about that is that um, it talks about relationship in that first part. Um, it talks about, it talks about um, regardless of differences or regardless of behaviors, it talks about continuing to live in relationship with each other. And that's sort of the, the foundation of what I'm trying to come from today is sort of this relational dynamic um, between all of us. And so why is it important uh, to be authentic? Why do we, why do we even care? Um, there's an interesting quote I found um, online. Why is it important to, to share of ourselves? Um, and it says, Because every human being longs to be known and loved as we truly are, the good and bad, the beautiful and ugly, the highs and lows, all of it, to be unconditionally loved in a conditional world. Um, so again, I didn't write that. This guy did. Um, but that's kind of the idea of why, why do we, why does it need, what's the importance of being authentic? It's because we are loved in spite of anything that we might be struggling with. Uh, we are loved and we are cared for um, no matter what's happening in our lives. So even if we don't have that pic Instagram picture perfect life, uh, if we are down in the muck and really struggling, uh, that we have people that are, are in our lives and, and able to reach out and support us, but then in turn, <clears throat> we then go and do the same thing for others. We are seeing um, when someone is needing um, support that we can go to them and we can, we can offer that support. So how, how do we do this? How do we live authentically? Here we go. So uh, we, we've talked about authentic character and authentic relationships. So being consistent in our own behavior, words, and actions. Um, so it's about not being four different people depending on four different crowds that we're living with. Um, it's about trying to be true to ourselves um, and trying to be the same person no matter who we're with. So sometimes this means standing behind who we were created to be um, and, and walking the talk. In my work, we talk, you know, you know the sayings, walk the walk and talk the talk and stuff like that. Well, we're, I think we're lazy, so we just smush those two together and we just say we walk the talk. Um, so, you know, that's really the idea of just... Um, doing what you say, practicing what you preach, and things like that. And it's about um, living true to your character and, uh, and being authentic in that way. How do we do have uh, authentic relationships? This is the big one. This is the harder one, I think. This is about taking risks and being vulnerable with each other. Um, 
that that can be sharing of yourself and being curious and open to others, which we'll get to uh, in a little bit. Now, this isn't a call to go deep with everybody in every single conversation. So that's not the point of the message today is that we're supposed to be authentic. So I'm now going to share every little thing that I've ever had with every person that I see, and you're all going to know everything. And so there you go. That's not the point of it at all. This isn't a call to abandon privacy. Privacy can be a good thing. It can be an appropriate thing. So I'm not saying that we need to abandon our privacy or tell everybody that everything that's happening in our life. There's a balance between oversharing and being authentic. Um, and again, that was something that, that you know, I felt that Lori and other people have said in, in our times of worship. It's not necessarily about oversharing and trying to force something to fit into a song to make something work. It's about if you are feeling called or inspired to say something in a moment and to authentically share, to use that as your guide um, and not forcing something to happen. Um, so how can, well, let's go back. So how can the church facilitate this? Um, I think we do a really great job here um, in terms of um, creating times for being authentic. Sunday morning is usually not the time uh, to really have time to go deeper in relationships. And that's what authentic um, relationships are about. It's about being able to go deeper with one another. Um, you know, if you're two adults and, and you're having a conversation um, and you're just starting to, you know, kind of figure out where each other's weeks have been, how, how everything's going, um, it's easy to get distracted by someone just walking by and saying hello, and it kind of pulls you in and out of that relationship. So you're sort of stuck at this kind of surface level of conversation, and it's just hard to go. There's no time to go deeper with each other on a Sunday morning. If you're a parent with, with kids, you know, you might just be having a conversation together, um, and maybe Russ and I are talking about, you know, how our week's been. Um, maybe we're just starting to get into some, some neat uh, sharing together about um, what life's like at work together or something like that. And then all of a sudden, you got someone pulling on your, on your shirt saying, Daddy, I have to pee! And you know you have a two-year-old toddler who's toilet training, and you're like, this is over. And then you run, and then that conversation's gone for like another three weeks uh, because you just don't have that time um, to go deep together. So Sunday mornings, if, if we're placing our expectation that Sunday mornings is enough to develop deep relationships with each other, then, then, then we're, we're fooling ourselves. Um, Chris told me a, a number of years ago, and I've always, I've always appreciated it, um, we were talking about just, you know, what, what um, um, just sort of where, I, where I've been at on some of um, thinking about some of the teaching and the learnings that I've been having. And I, you know, I sort of expressed this idea that, you know, I kind of just want more. I wish, I wish that we could do more of this, or, or I'd love these to- topics or conversations. And he, and he gave me a good challenge. He said, it sounds like you're kind of putting all of your spiritual learning on church, all of your spiritual learning on Mike. And I said, yeah, isn't that, like, that's what church is for, isn't it? And it, so he, he very, you know, honestly and, and gently said, you know, that, that's not fair. That's not fair to church. That's not fair to Mike. It, that's a huge weight put onto one person or to one group that all of your learning and all of your, um, your journey is placed on the back there. If you want to learn and, and grow and expand, you need to be doing more uh, outside of this. And so that's why, again, Sunday mornings, relationally, it just isn't enough. And so I appreciate how we do movie nights. I appreciate how we do games night. Because, again, sometimes they're not as easy to go deeper, but it's creating more time together um, to create authentic relationships. We have our corn roast and our, our picnic, and again, those are more times to go to, um, to be together, uh, to share in life, and just to get to know each other. Uh, a lot of churches do small groups. Some people call them life groups. Some people call them home churches, and we do some of that here. Mike started that uh, Grounds and Grace group, and that's another chance for that group of people to get to know each other a little bit, to talk through a subject, and to really understand and learn about each other and to go deeper together. 
And so that's an interesting form. And so the neat thing about small groups is that it's an intentional time that you're setting aside to share life with people. It's time to learn about each other, grow from each other, um, wrestle through life together, um, and, and just to be in that, that relationship together. So before we quickly run out of time, I want to talk about uh, being curious. Um, I'm a Harry Potter fan, so I don't know if you recognize this, but um, um, Ollivander, the guy who sells Harry his wand, um, this is his quote. I mean, it's not brain, it's not really cool, but, but I wanted to quote uh, Ollivander here. But, so the idea of being curious is that we are interested in others. We are taking an interest in, a, in, another, person's, in another person's life. So again, smashing some definitions together. Being curious is about being eager to know or learn something. It is marked by a desire to investigate and to learn. When something is curious to us, we are caught off guard by something that is unfamiliar or strange to us, and we are interested. So a lot of times in our conversations or, or in, in, work, in being with people, not necessarily here, but out, out, just out in our, our own lives, when we find something that's different, a lot of the times our default setting is to be defensive, um, to be challenged in some way, um, and sometimes argumentative, or being the opposite of curious, just being disinterested. Um, this can create such a negative way of navigating life. And one of the ways that I see a complete absence of curiosity is in, is in the chat forums on Facebook, on Instagram, on any online platform. If you read a news article about Kitchener um, getting their um, sidewalks shoveled, you'll see all these people coming out and be like, this is the stupidest city in the world, they should shovel our sidewalks. And then just these people just come out and they're mean and they're, 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 they're evil. Um, if you talk, if you read a, an article... Um, you know, on the Blue Jays about John Gibbons getting fired from that. You see all these people, he was the dumbest manager of all time and all this stuff, and people just come out of the woodwork and are just mean to each other. Um, and, and I don't understand why that is, but there's, there's, there's no elements of curiosity in those spaces at all. And so we often become defensive when we're not curious. Um, and sometimes that defensiveness is bred um, through privilege or through a sense of entitlement um, that we might be losing something that we hold dear. So a lot of times when we're defensive, we often find that we end up arguing something that's not even the topic of conversation. So if someone brings up a subject to us, then we immediately put our blinders on, start bulldozing through on our own path of the conversation. Meanwhile, the actual issue is way down here, and we're not even on topic with what... And so then the person who's on the other side of the issue is just like, where are they going? Like, I don't even know what they're talking about, but they're going ahead and... Um, and going in a direction that I don't really even understand. And so that happens when we don't listen to each other. That happens when we aren't curious with each other. We aren't pausing and trying to actually hear the other person's perspective. Um, so one example of this um, is um, back in 2016. So I want to bring up a, a, an example of a lack of curiosity. Um, and so I'm not here to soapbox this specific, uh, specific um, happening or this issue, um, but I want to use this example as an example of where curiosity was completely absent. So it was the fall of 2016, and the Blue Jays had just uh, finished the American League Division Series, and were moving on towards the American League Championship Series um, against the Cleveland Indians. Um, so at that time, there began a lot of conversation um, from a lot of indigenous groups about the use of the Cleveland Indians name. And it brought up a lot of, over the years, there's been lots of conversation through all sports about the use of indigenous identities to frame a sports team. So you don't necessarily have, um, 
you know, the white guys from Manhattan. That's not a team. That's not a team at all. You don't, you don't have, um, you know, you don't have uh, the Jews from, from San Francisco or something like that. Th th that's not a team. So that was sort of the point that people were trying to make, that the indigenous community was trying to make was, why is our culture framed into this light? So anyways, that's as much of the conversation that I'm going to leave that, just to paint this picture. Um, but when Cleveland began to come to town, the, you know, it just raised it all up again because this has been a big uh, conversation in, in sports. And so um, one of my favorite uh, broadcasters, Jerry Howarth from uh, five, the Fan 590, um, he wrote an article during that time. And he said that uh, 24 years earlier, when the Blue Jays beat uh, the Atlanta Braves um, in the World Series, he received a letter from an indigenous fan. And so the letter, he said, um, was the best letter he's ever received in his entire career. And so the fan outlined, from an indigenous background, um, how, they, how they've kind of come to see the representation of their culture in sports, um, um, in sports teams and everything. And so Jerry, at that moment, so the, the fan ultimately called him out and said, can you just stop um, using specifically, um, you know, the, the, the actual names of the teams um, and just maybe refer to, to their city or something. And so Jerry had two, two decisions at that point. He had two paths he could have followed. He could have followed the path of defensiveness. Um, he could have vented with his colleagues about political correctness, how people are too sensitive, how team names carry decades of traditions through their names and identities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he could have ignored the letter, ripped it up and thrown it away and been like, ah, forget that. I'm just going to keep going on with what I'm going on. That was his choice. Um, and and, and in, in a lot of sense, that was his right to do that. Or he could be curious and he could be interested in what this person was talking about. Well, obviously, if, I think probably you're guessing that that's the path he chose. He said it was a heartfelt letter and it was written in such a kind and loving way. And since that day, um, and over the last 24 years or so, whenever Cleveland comes to town, Cleveland comes to town. And that was his choice in trying to honor and respect the person. So again, my point is not to get into the back and forth debate on this specific um, subject. My point is to outline that during that time when I would read news articles, I would see just the... the harshest comments between the two different sides of the issue. The pro-indigenous um, people talking about sort of their perspective, people who are on the other side of the, of the matter, and just the, the arguing and the fighting and, the, and the, the, the hatred towards each other was just incredible. Um, and curiosity of the other person's experience was a scarce commodity during that entire debate. So that was just... So when we are confronted with difference, we have the choice. Do we want to just all of a sudden put our guard up or do we want to just stop and just say, well, I'm interested in that. Like, what do you mean by that? Um, and to go from that, I have an angle on things. Sometimes it doesn't work. Hmm. Could you uh, push the button of going wherever we're going next? Okay. So when we are confronted with, oh, can you push it again? When we're confronting that as different, something that is uncomfortable, we have two choices in front of us. And if you could hit them again, because I think this thing's um, not working. Uh, we can retreat or reinforce our defenses and arms ourselves for a fight, or we can be curious. So my question to us is, which choice builds relationship? Um, which choice um, is other-centered, and which choice lives out agape, as we have learned about it? Hard when the thing doesn't work. Oh, sorry. So behind each issue is a person. And so I think that that's the thing that we sometimes forget, is that 
um, behind every issue. We can attack issues to the end of time. We just feel right. We feel, we feel like it's our entitlement to attack this issue and stand up for what we believe. But so many times we forget that behind that issue is a human, is a human being that we are also attacking in that, in that time. And I think that that's something that I want to really try to emphasize for us to, to be mindful of. And so that can then frame all of our conversations in such a different way. So if you're sitting around having a conversation about Islam with your Christian friends, and you're talking about the scope of Islam as you tend to understand it, that might be a very different conversation than if you go out for coffee um, after work with your Muslim colleague and have a conversation about what their lived experience of that faith practice is. Those might be two completely different conversations. I'm not saying that if you're with your Christian friends, we're always talking about um, negatively in that way. But those conversations can look very differently. When we go and actually seek people and understand their life and their perspective, that can be different. If you're having conversation with your white friends about the Cleveland Indians debate, it might be really different than if you go out um, and have a conversation with a friend of yours who's, who's from indigenous background. So hearing their perspective, hearing their story, and hearing their side of, of, the, of the conversation um, is really, can be really interesting. Can you click it again? So we attack issues, not realizing we are attacking other humans, people who are loved by God. Curiosity is critical to becoming a more welcoming and loving society and seeking, seeking to see another person's perspective. Curiosity is critical to becoming more loving Christians. When we realize an issue becomes a person, another human being, we are at the door of curiosity. We can choose to walk through it, or we can slam it shut. So in Proverbs, it says something. There we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. Never let yourself think that you are wiser than you are. Simply obey the Lord and refuse to do wrong. If you do it, it will be like good medicine, healing your wounds and easing your pains. Honor the Lord by making him an offering from the best of, your, of that your land produces. If you do, your barns will be filled with grain, and you will have too much wine to store it all. I think the idea behind that is that when we are looking to others, we find that our relationships are so much more fruitful and, 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 and the quality of our relationships and, the, and our character and our relational um, connection to people is so much, uh, it, it produces such more of a, a harvest than, than, we, than when we operate in a different fashion. So to the last bit, being authentically curious. If we can click again. Um, authentic curiosity. So I made this up. Because um, I couldn't, there's no definition that I could find. Authentic curiosity is being honest, true, and without imit- uh, imitation as we eagerly inquire, ask questions, and strive to learn about another person's experience. So the opposite definition of that is having a false, unlikely, untrustworthy, or doubtful interest about another person's experience, instead approaching a person with disinterest and generally being unconcerned about them. Sounds lovely, eh? Sounds so fun. I guess the question is, you know, which, which definition and which, which way do we want to operate from? Um, being, what does authentic, Christianity, uh, authentic curiosity look like? It's about, it looks like being curious about people and being, being interested in another person's experience. Two people come to mind when I think about authentic curiosity. Our friend, uh, well, Laura's friend um, growing up, her name's Dorothy, and she is probably one of the most authentic and curious people that I know. I've said to Laura a few times, I'm like, she actually cares what people are talking about. That's weird. Like, just this, this, this idea that she can care about any conversation with any person, 
to me, as sort of an introvert person who doesn't really engage in a lot of conversations, that's mind-blowing. Um, but you can see and feel her kind of come into that conversation and be really curious about exactly what you're talking about and wanting to learn more about that. Um, another person that I think about um, when I think about someone who's curious is if you are having a conversation with Mike Mainland and all of a sudden he jumps and perches on a seat and sort of squats on a seat, you know he's kind of curious and he's, he's ready to talk to you because that's just, I think that's just Mike's sort of default pose of, of being curious. And you know, and, but he's another person who just really authentically is interested in what you have to say and asks questions and wants to hear your experience. So if you're having a chat with Mike and he perches, you know you're in for a good conversation. So again, there's, there's two paths, I think if we can click it again, um, that we can take. Um, I guess just click right through this and then we'll, we'll go on to the last one. And then, so to end it off, um, the foundation of what I want to, to go from is, is living agape, living other-centered. So being authentic, being curious, it's just other words for just living agape and being others-focused, not necessarily abandoning our own beliefs, but authentic, being authentic and being curious isn't about abandoning your beliefs. It's not about converting. It's not about being worried that another group is going to take over the world or anything. It just means that you're being a human person who is listening to another human person. You're taking an interest, and you're trying to hear where they're coming from. So in John, it says, let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples, when they see the love you have for each other. And then the last uh, verses that I want to share are, you know, it's the love chapter that's shared at most, of, most people's weddings. Um, but again, it's, I think, a really good picture of agape love. And so we all know love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, all so on and so forth. I really like the message pa uh, translation and the, the passion translation. It just gives it a different spin to it and gives us another, another way to read through it. So actually, if we can go back to the message one, Sarah. Um, love never gives up. Love's care, love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score for the sins of others. It doesn't revel, in, revel when others grovel, takes pleasures in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going on to the end. I like that, always looks for the best. You know, the, the, the phrase of give, give someone the benefit of the doubt, I think that's something that we lose a lot in our, in our culture. When we're confronted with difference, we, we often don't go to the benefit of the doubt. We go to what we think the answer is and start bulldozing that past. And I like when this says, always look for the best. Always just seek the, the, what could be another um, motive for that person. And then the last translation, um, for, uh, same passage, but from the trans Passion Translation. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. That's the piece that I like there. Uh, it refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. That's another piece I like. Uh, love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat it never gives up. And that's just what I want to leave us with today is um, it's just, a, I guess, a bit of a challenge for us all that, that you know, when we're confronted with difference, um, 
let's try to default to living agape. Um, um, Instead of trying to default to the, well, uh, I don't like this, this doesn't feel right to me, I think I need to fight it, that's an option. Um, But we can also then just say, well, I don't understand that. And that's something, if we could all just ask ourselves that question almost any time we're confronted with, with difference, I don't understand that. Then that, you've taken the first step through the door of curiosity. You're saying, I don't understand that, and I'm kind of interested to know why that person has that experience, why that person lives this specific way, what's going on in that life. And it brings you down that path, which in so many ways um, gives so much more life to just relationship and connecting more and authentically and curiously um, and lovingly to people in our community. So that's all I got to say about that. Um, I think... Oh, very okay. So I think, I think before Rod comes up and um, um, collects our offering, we'll just uh, close quickly in prayer. Um, I'm not going to lean on this thing like that guy because, I mean, he did it, and I just don't want to do it. But yeah, let's pray quickly. Uh, God, we just thank you for, for this time today. Uh, we really want to thank you for this church, for this community, uh, for this group of people. And we ask you, God, uh, just to help us to continue to find ways to connect to each other, to live relationally with each other and with everyone in our lives. And, and thank you for your example of how to do that, how you, you gave up everything for others, for someone else, and how we can be curiously invested and interested in other people. Help us to just continue to be a loving community, uh, no matter who we see, and that we can show your love uh, to everyone that we come in connection with. Thank you for uh, this, this time this morning, and thank you for uh, the, the, the gifts that we'll receive for Uh, for this church to continue to function and and just um, please bless us all uh, today as we go uh, we go home and and uh, go about our lives today in Jesus name amen